and welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lore, a monthly podcast in which we aim to separate our ghouls from our goblins, our snotlings from our skaven storm fiends, and our bloodthirsters from our bloodletters, and generally ask, what up with this Warhammer stuff? My name is Ben Crone Barber, and I know fuck all about Warhammer. With me is my co-host, Christopher Crallen Allen. Hi there. Who also knows fuck all about Warhammer. Really quite very true. And my dear brother, Darren. Hello who knows so much about Warhammer, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. After gathering online to slay some vermin in the name of Sigmar, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. Good morning, chaps. Hello, hello. Good morning. Is it cold in here? Is it just me? <laughs> right, that's it. I'm getting a <laughs> For our real listeners out there, we just had a whole situation where Ben was wearing a tank top. We mocked him so much that he took it off, and now he's just he's just given up his weakness. <laughs> Long story short, he's now topless. <laughs> okay, let's start again. <laughs> All right, okay, let's get serious. Sleeves? <laughs> this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt <laughs> to address <laughs> that ignorance. Good morning, fellas. Hey, man. Hey, snazzy shirt. Thanks, pal. I got him that for Christmas. It says Care Morn from uh, The Witcher on it. Wolf school. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. It just occurred to me, do you know what you don't see a lot of in computer games these days, especially in RPGs? Is it tank tops? It's tank tops. Oh, for fuck's sake. For our listeners, <laughs> before this recording started, I was wearing a tank top because it's the end of my washing cycle, and it was the only thing in my wardrobe when I woke up this morning, and it's quite warm in my house, so I wore a tank top, but I've had to take it off mid-recording because the two of them are so utterly distracted by it. Spoken like a true tank top anonymous noob. <laughs> My name is Ben. I wear tank tops. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we've uh, we've we've veered wildly off topic. Uh, Kral, indeed. Uh, how did we get on last month? Last month we started exploring the greenskins, the orcs, yay, and the goblins. Yay. Not so yay. Uh, not so yay. Um, the, <laughs> the origins of which aren't too clear, not clear precisely when and where the Greenskins came from. They've probably been a part of the Warhammer world since the beginning. How orcs reproduced, we learned how they they grow and multiply. So when a man-orc and a woman-orc love each other very, very much, <laughs> they do a special cuddle. I mean, <laughs> they grow out of the ground, don't they? Like a tree or maybe, yeah, maybe a mushroom. Or like a fungus? Yeah, like a, a mushroom, which I think is quite nice and kind of belies their savage, ruthless nature. You know, they kind of come out of the ground, out of the earth. How lovely. They're quite fun guys. No, no, you can fuck right off. I had to bite my tongue to not make the fun guy joke. <laughs> you, you treaded on Darren's toes there with that kind of laugh joke. Come on, Ben. <laughs> Treading on Darren ice. <laughs> yeah, have some kids and then make dad jokes. <laughs> yeah, you're not qualified to make dad jokes yet, really. <laughs> All right, okay. All right, fine. There are many, many types of orcs and goblins. I, I'll, I'll go through a few, and I'll invite Ben to abbreviate them for me, if he will. So, starting with the common orc, also known as... Corks. Corks, thank you. The savage orcs. Sorks. Yes, indeed. Uh, and finally, everybody's favourite, the black orcs. 
the Blorks. Indeed, I would have also Meet accepted Borks as well. Yeah, no, no, Blork. Um, along with many, many goblin species, Ben, if you will, the common goblin, the goblin, <laughs> yep, the night goblin, the noblin. Indeed, this you struggle with this one, noblars. You can't do can't really go anywhere with that. Just yeah, exactly. one so yeah, finally, we've got the noblars, the snotlings, and the hobgoblins, and everybody's favourite, the squigs, of which there seems to be a squig for every and any occasion. Versatile <laughs> from memory, indeed. Versatile DIY tool. If you yes, yeah. if you can think of an instrument or a tool, there's a squig equivalent. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. Up to and including bandsaws. And um, the squigs and greenskins, they kind of have a bit of a, a symbiotic relationship. Is that is that right? They they kind of Very live... Very much so, yeah. Spot of mutualism. Yeah, so uh, it, the mushrooms and squigs kind of uh, coexist. And so in each greenskin encampment, there's something called a drop. And that's where all the squigs are held, all the mushrooms are held. There's some evidence that that's where orcs are born from or greenskins come from through the drops and what are the drops are they like hot it sounds like a hole in the ground or something it's effectively that i think it's named after the concept that you drop a load of shit on a mushroom that's how they grow is that where like they place the latrines above there yeah that kind of idea wow the orcs shit well yes wow (laughs) <laughs> great okay <laughs> now we, now we know and now we can't unknow they get bigger by fighting it's not that they're backed up <laughs> indeed they... massive work arrives on the battlefield he's like i am going to and he just shrinks down to the size of a little snot like right? <laughs> Damn just it. shoots up in the air on a massive pile of shit <laughs> Never shoot arrows at fat orcs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's got a blow. <laughs> Sploosh. So yeah, indeed. It's similar to the Incredible Hulk. Fighting make the greenskins bigger. It, it it increases their strength and 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 fighting abilities, right? Hundred percent. Mm. But as well as their physical might, they can actually, or at least the shamans in the Greenskin tribes, they are able to wield magic abilities. And just like their physical might, it's affected by their collective wah, which yes. basically means the more Greenskins that there are and how well they are faring in a battle together, potentially the more powerful their magic is. And then finally, their history, which of which they don't have much of their own, not being the most literate or rich in arts and culture. So their history is predominantly recorded by the more scholarly races, such as the elves and humans, which to me poses a question, how reliable and accurate are those records? Because so often, you know, history is written by the side of the victorious, isn't it? Yep. And uh, that brings us around to this month's episode. So, Darren. Yes, sir. Please take it away. Sorry, before we go on with this month's uh, episodes, Chris, what's, what's the latest on the PR job front? It's going really well. The Skaven have never been happier with uh, mine and Darren's work. Whoever, whoever did it last, I mean, we're really picking at the pieces from the last PR agency. Um, Sounds like a bit of a swine. The Orcs are um they say they'll get back to you ben i put in a good word they'll say they get right. back to you okay yeah okay. which kind of means you, they're not going to get back to you we, we all uh, i mean i hope they get back to me yeah, before yeah. the end of the the orc series because i can't really do much okay. 
do you know what I mean? Once you yeah, get on yeah. to whatever the next race are. So, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, 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 no problem. Moving on. Dar, take it away. Yes, sir. So we'll pick up from where we left off. So about 4,000 years before present, so roughly 1,500 years before Sigmar and the formation of the empire, there was a great cataclysm. This was an enormous event that caused mountain ranges to fall. There were tidal waves, uh, earthquakes. Pictures fell off hooks. <laughs> it was a mess. <laughs> yep. uh, it devastated the subterranean races, the, especially the dwarves. It really did kind of crack open their holds, if you'll excuse the phrase. <laughs> and so anything that lived near mountains, there was a good chance it was destroyed or uh, there was a, some sort of cataclysmic event that ruined their lives. Now, when this happened, it really did disrupt the eastern provinces of Warhammer, specifically the mountains of Morn and the coastal regions of Cathay and Inde, which washed away with tidal waves. And this caused a huge migration of greenskins because that's where greenskins were focused at that time. That's where mm. they are from, in quotes. And that caused a huge migration of them to go west. So they came over the mountains of Morn and into the Darklands, which is where the Chaos Dwarves were at that time. And really, they had never encountered other races en masse, the most common being goblins, and goblin tribes were kind of nomadic at the time and encountered other races, and other races, quite rightly, crushed the little fuckers with a hammer. But in their migration, they came across human tribes for the first time, which as soon as they met each other, they disliked each other intently. And in the wars, the orcs and goblins were completely dominating them due to the fact that because of their genetic memory and their way of doing things and the way of being able to build equipment, they were using weapons of iron, whereas the humans were using weapons of bronze. So orc weapons were simply slicing clean through human weapons. So we saw a migration of the survivors of those human tribes moving from the east into what would become the old world pursued kind of pell-mell by the orcs and goblins who simply wanted more battles so that they could grow in size and become more orky. This kept going until they reached the World's Edge Mountains. Now, if we'll remember, World's Edge Mountains, principally the realm of the dwarves, but it runs all the way from the northern realm of chaos right down through to the tip of the Southlands. Uh, so it really is the kind of spine of the world. When they reached the World's Edge Mountains, they were stopped in their tracks by the dwarves. The dwarves had superior technology in terms of weaponry, in terms of fortifications, and so it really held the orcs and goblins to a standstill. Well, most of them, because due to the cataclysm, goblins, specifically night goblins, were able to get into dwarf holes from below or from the side. Sometimes from the top, sometimes coming out of a plant pot. That kind of idea, they came <laughs> squig from squig pot. Squig pot. <laughs> this started oh. what's referred to as the Goblin Wars. This was wars that lasted pretty much 1,200 years. The goblins laid siege to Karak Ungor, which is one of the great dwarven holes in the World's Edge Mountains. Now, 
Mm. It should be understood that normally the dwarves would have been able just to slice and dice these green motherfuckers. But this was at the tail end of what was called the War of Vengeance, which was the great cultural war between the dwarves and the elves. So most of the dwarven warriors were off to the west in the old world, killing as many elves as they could before the elves fled. Right. So Carrot Ungor's army, led by King Morik Stonehammer, had pretty much left Carrot Ungor with a skeletal crew. So due to the cataclysm, the kind of lower reaches of Carrot Ungor had been split open. And a mysterious enemy was coming in and just killing any dwarven patrols they could find. Uh-oh. They were causing problems left, right, and center. While the dwarves were investigating this, night goblins were able to get in as well through a flanking maneuver through some of the tunnels. And very quickly, within the space of about six or seven months, the garrison of dwarves there was pretty much just wiped out. And so that then became the first greenskin hold, the kind of goblin fortress, which was known as Red Eye Mountain from that point on. Wow. So building on that success, the goblins continued. And, and next they came to another hold called Carrick Varn, which is on the shores of the Black Sea, which is this big kind of landlocked sea in the middle of the World's Edge Mountains. Again, when the cataclysm happened, the lower reaches were flooded. The lake kind of emptied into the lower reaches of the mine, drowning thousands. But these new kind of enemies were able to get in and cause all kinds of mischief and hijinks in the lower reaches, while at the same time, orcs and goblins were attacking from above. So the dwarves were able to rely on their food stores on their water cisterns and they were going to last for generations if they had to but mysteriously they started to fall ill one by one until there were only a handful left and that handful bravely fought a retreat out of Carrick Varn into the nearby dwarf hold of uh, Zuthbar on the far shore of the of the Black Sea and the reason that they had been falling ill one by one is that the Skaven had dropped warpstone into their water tables. Fucking crafty bastards. And if people can remember... Yes. Shall we never forget. That was the first real contact the Skaven had with the dwarves, uh, the water of a nameless hold. And now we know the name. It's called Carrickvarn, or more correctly... The Skaven own it now, or, or it's a, a Skaven warren called Cragmere. Cragmere, wow. And we've come full circle. So that gets us to about 250 years before the formation of the Empire. So about, what's that? That would be 2,700 years ago-ish against the present day. So the World's Edge Mountains had been pierced. Now, that had been considered by many, especially the dwarves, to be this huge barrier that kept anything from the east. But with the dwarves now under siege, and indeed the some of the holes being savaged, sacked, and conquered, the cracks had begun to appear in that kind of dam. And then this great flood of greenskins poured over the mountains or through the mountains, and then spilled out into the lowlands of the old world. It was then that the Greenskins began to encounter humanity and the 
12 separate tribes of humans that lived in the empire at that time. So this was obviously before the empire. It's before they became a kind of unified whole. And they're very much what we would come to consider a Bronze Age civilization at that time. There was no iron, no steel. So when you're facing off against greenskins with iron weapons, hard iron weapons, you're going to get minced. So the, the, the orcs, they weren't more civilized or advanced, if that's the right word. They, were, they just had better weapons. They were better armed and tougher and bigger. We're not comparing like with like as well. The orcs had been sure. constantly at war, constantly fighting for about 2,500 years before this point. Yeah. So they had learned how to do it. And I think we touched last time on the genetic memory of orcs. So they had an mm -hmm. innate knowledge of how to get iron or how to create iron weapons and armor. So they effectively minced everything that opposed them with the exception of the forces of the old ones and the lizard men, or unless they were right. vastly outnumbered. And, and the elves as well? The elves, of course, they would have, I think they called it Ithalmar, which is their kind of magical metal. And that effectively turns anything that's made of it into a lightsaber. Right. Wow. Magical metal. That is a fun term. Magical metal. Well, it's the, you know, the mithril is from Lord of the Rings. So it was a, a, a really good anagram to get to Ithilmar. <laughs> is that what they did? Oh, yeah. Or is I it, think it's an anagram <laughs> of Skaven, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name's Slow Stew. You might know me cousin, Rapid Randy, over at Cripple Peak. While Little Radders deals primarily in ski gear, I am a purveyor of squeaks. That's right, squeaks. You might have seen them before. They look like human scrotums with legs, and I've got heaps of them. Here at Slow Stew's squeak store in the heart of the Darklands, we've got a squeak for your every need. We've got needle squeaks, We've got frying pan squeaks. We've got physio bowl squeaks, which is basically just a squeak with no legs. We've got pen and paper squeaks. We've got plant pot squeaks. We've got underpants squeaks, only for the very brave, those ones. Planning a one night stand? Perfect. Protect yourself with our range of exclusive flavoured condom squeaks. We've got hammer squeaks. We've got trebuchet squeaks. We've got, I'm not quite sure what it is I need, but I know I need something squeaks. We've got sofa squigs, we've got computer squigs, we've got inflatable lilo squigs, please don't ask how to inflate them. Feeling adventurous? Why not try our 15 inch rubber cock squig? So come on down to Slow Stew's squig store today, just off Route 73 near the broken pelvic bone drive encampment and buy a squig from me, Slow Stew. Whatever you've got going on, we've got the squig to solve it, improve it or eat it. Thank you. So during this time, when the, the Greenskins were beginning to take over the hills next to the World's Edge Mountains, it's when the dwarves started to consider humanity to be an ally, so that, you know, an, an additional resource, an additional friend that they could band up together and fight against the Greenskins. 
So the dwarves began to arm the humans in small groups and showed them the secrets of crafting iron weapons. And very slowly, they began to win small skirmishes, small victories. But humanity was still far too fractious. It was very tribal. So any small victory would be washed away, mostly by the sheer volume of orcs pouring in to the old world, or what we would consider the old world. And so within this context, the dwarves will be sending uh, trade convoys to and from various human settlements. And one of these trading convoys was ambushed on its way from Karazakarak to the Grey Mountains to deliver weapons and armor. And an orc army ambushed it. And although the dwarves slew as many orcs as they could, and it, the records show that the bodies were lay in mounds and heaps, uh, so have a vision of orcs and dwarves fighting each other on top of an increasingly large pile of dead dwarves and orcs. Right. But ultimately, the the whole caravan was captured, and in that caravan was the High King, Kurgan Ironbeard, which, let's face it, great name for a dwarf. Oh, mate. Oh. <laughs> the dwar- I think the dwarves have the better names. Ironbeard, yeah. uh, Grudgebearer. And the other guys. <laughs> Grudge bearer. <laughs> End of list. And everybody else. <laughs> Stout McSharpax. Yes, oh. all those guys are guys. Dwarvy McDwarface. So luckily for these dwarves, the territory that this happened in belonged to the Unbarogan tribe of humans, led by a mighty warrior prince. Can anyone guess his name? What was the name of the tribe? It's the Unbarogan tribe. Unbarogan. Unbarogan. Where where are they based? Have we have we covered him or her before? Yes. Where and where is it? the It's Carl. It's it's, 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 Carl. it's Jeff. <laughs> it's Jeff. Um, Prince Jeff. It, where and whereabouts in the empire is it? It's in the South Central. South Central. Sigmar? Yes, Chris. Yes. Wow. I mean, I was just going through Chris the the names that I knew. Sigmar Heldenhammer. You, you get some. You get some <laughs> points, mate. Sigmar on his fuck hammer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can see where Chris's head is this morning. <laughs> so the Umbarogan army fell on the orcs. With just savagery, if you can imagine. Effectively, they look like, um, there's a great picture of it, and we'll put it in the show notes. They look like chaos marauders. They're so, I want to use the word basic, in their armor. It's, it's an entire army of Conan the Barbarians. That's effectively what they would look like. It sounds like they basically out-savaged the orcs. They were just like, right, let's just fucking go bonkers. Let's take a bunch of ass spiders just savage their asses. Is that, is that kind of what happened? They just went brutal. They just went postal on the orcs. Just went right, fight fire with fire. I think it's because their entire countryside is now awash with green skins. So they're in a fight lose. for their very existence. So yeah, you tend yeah, right. to become very focused when that happens. Yeah, fair enough. So during this huge battle, Sigmar ended up face-to-face with the massive orc warlord. Here's a great name for you, Chris. Vagra's Headstomper. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, vaggy. Vaggy bums. And they were pretty much evenly matched. Now, we mentioned already that humanity just had kind of bronze weapons, bronze armor. 
and the orcs were clad head to toe in uh, iron with iron axes and iron choppers. So every time he was able to land a blow, it was just simply bounced off the orc's armor. And every time the uh, axe came down on Sigmar, he was just able to get out of the way because he was fit. (laughs) And this went on and on. And so eventually Ironbeard got a bit pissed off waiting, I think, because it's a dwarf. So a bit bothered by the fact it was taking so long. So he broke free of his captors and raced into the orc warlord's tent and managed to recapture most, if not all, of his possessions, including his huge warhammer, Galmaraz, the splitter of skulls. Guess what it does? It's a letter opener. Yeah, letter opener. (laughs) (laughs) It's a yogurt spoon. (laughs) 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 you could have dedicated spoons for yogurts how come no one told me this what do you mean you could we do what fancy yogurt spoons with the pinky out what a time to be alive (laughs) (laughs) so yes so again he managed to free his companions the dwarf king freed his companions and raced into the battle getting as close as he could to sigmar He threw the hammer towards Sigmar, and as he did so, he cursed the orc with every curse known uh, in the dwarven language. You (laughs) flipping square bear! Did he he do it all in one go? Like, you know, that scene in uh, Family Guy where Peter recites all 50-odd states of America in a second. (laughs) 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 And that's how Galmaraz, the hammer of Sigmar, got a chin like balls. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) <laughs> so snatching the hammer from the air, Sigmar brought down a rain of blows onto Bagra's head stomper, who I now will refer to as Viagra. <laughs> Who's now Bagran head stomped. Head stomped. <laughs> 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 I make the jokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you piped out, man. So eventually it brought the orc down to uh, one knee, and then with a huge overhead strike, Sigmar smashed the orc's skull into bloody shards. And as this happened, the orc army, I suspect both seeing and sensing the death of their warlord, just turned and fled. Chickens. Followed in hot pursuit by the combined forces of the humans and the dwarves, and they effectively just rode them down. Nice. That surprises me. Why? Because the orcs, being as brutish as they are, you know, fleeing after their general captain, the leader, gets slayed, sounds like a Skaven move just to run away. But I would have expected the orcs just to man up. You know, there would have been, I thought, many orcs ready to step up and be gone, I'll, I'll, I'll step up and fucking kick ass. It's a good point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they do tend to do that, but I think it might be to your point, Chris, that you mentioned earlier, that this is history written by the dwarves and the humans. And also, maybe it it was a huge army, but it was just an army. It wasn't like a, a, a huge horde uh, that comes next. Sure. Yeah, right. So at the end of that battle, and their lands kind of secured and the weapons and armor from the caravan recaptured, Sigmar approached Ironbeard to hand him back the hammer. 
Now, this hammer is one of the oldest and most magical weapons of the dwarves, and it's believed to possess a will of its own. So it chooses who can bear it, who can use it in battle. Not at all a rip-off right. of Thor's hammer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so after uh, consulting his rune priests and he searched his feelings, as uh, Luke Skywalker did, he, the Dwarf King <laughs> allowed Sigmar to keep the hammer because the hammer effectively had chosen Sigmar. Wow. So is that the hammer that you see in the illustrations of Sigmar? Yes, that is that hammer. It's also the hammer on almost every Warhammer logo. It's Galmaraz. Ah, wow. So it's become the kind of single icon for uh, Warhammer fantasy battle and fantasy roleplay to some extent. It's that one with the kind of bit out the back, isn't it? The kind of curved bit out the back. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a hammer and a pick. I, I reckon a lot of cat owners probably get the same feeling as Sigmar did when he was chosen by the hammer when they're <laughs> when the cat chooses to sit on you. You're like, I've been chosen. Oh thank Christ. I did not know where you were going with that. <laughs> it's all right, safe place. We're in a safe place. <laughs> oh dear. So now that Sigmar has this hammer, he and his army went off to try and unite the different warring tribes of um, men against these greenskin hordes because he had just kind of decimated a single army. There were many orc warbands and armies west of the World's Edge Mountains now. The routes were still open, as it were, for the orcs to come through. So he had mixed success, maybe gathering two or three tribes at any given time to face off against the Greenskins. His hand was strengthened by the very kind of close-knit friendship he had with the Dwarven King and the Dwarves. So allies of Sigmar's, human allies of Sigmar's, began to receive better weapons, better armor, so the technology was improving, and thus they were able to not only defend their holdings, but also then take the battle to the Greenskins themselves. Amazing. Did the dwarves have to like do like, like armor fittings and whatnot? Because they couldn't just give them their stock, could they? It's not gonna. Here's, <laughs> a, here's a here's this new breastplate. Oh, sorry, you're not an extra, 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 extra small. Okay, yeah. well, that's probably not gonna. Oh fit. no, no, no! Your 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 midriff is meant to be showing. Yeah, yeah, it'll stretch. Yeah. It'll stretch. You'll you'll you'll, you'll grow into it. You'll grow into it. It's fine. Just breathe in. So did they? They must have had to like send a human to the hold to have him measured up. Well, I think it it wasn't solid plate armor. It was go, it's going to be chain mail and scale mail, which could be adapted and, and sized. But also, we're dealing with dwarves right. here. They could just look at someone and work out what size of armor they would need and how much. Ah, and, okay. and 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 right. as we're saying this, all I can think about is that scene in the two towers where Gimli gets the big, huge chain mail coat and it just drops to the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, precisely. I just wonder, like, do they have like you know, like dwarf tailors? It's like, does Sir Grace to the left? <laughs> <laughs> Which side does Sir's hammer dress? 
Um, a question regarding this this kind of agreement, this partnership between the early human race and the dwarves. Was there like a trading pact? Was there a benefit for from the dwarven point of view to share all this technology and armor and knowledge with the humans, or did they just like them and thought, "Oh, these could be good allies, so we're going to invest. We're going to invest in the humans, and we're going to be buddies." Or was there, yeah, we're like the humans, I don't know, cooking great lamb shanks in return or something like that? I think really the dwarves were looking for strength of arms. So they were looking for forces that could help them retake their kingdom. Gotcha. And Mm. see off the orc invaders. I think when you're in a fight for your very survival, as we've mentioned already, the kind of norms go out the window. So I think humanity was able to get a vast increase in technology and eventually unify socially and politically. So that was a huge benefit to the humans, but the dwarves got more steadfast allies, well-equipped allies. So they got Mm. numbers, basically. I think humanity came off in the deal better. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that's just that's just the kind of sad, morose tale of dwarves in almost every fantasy setting, I think. Is that yeah. they're a dying race? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cheerful, isn't it? Poor dudes. So as anyway, the years about those losers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck those chodes. <laughs> um, so as... <laughs> gross. <laughs> so in the years following, Sigmar, as I mentioned, began his campaign to bring together the human tribes with partial success, and so there are a lot of battles, a lot of wars and clearances, and they very slowly started to push greenskin races out of what would become the empire and back into the mountains, unfortunately, into the realm of the dwarves. Ooh. So during this campaign of unification, Sigmar and the various kings received messages from their dwarven allies saying that hordes the size of which could not be believed were now invading the dwarven kingdoms. And with that, Sigmar was able to largely persuade the other kings to join him in a campaign against this huge invasion to be able to save their allies. So they began their march. They began meeting up and uh, merging forces, uh, still very much tribal. So there was still skirmishes and arguments and so forth so they were unified in terms of they were all moving in the same direction rather than they were one army so they got to what would later become the legendary blackfire pass they camped a few miles from the actual pass and he called his brother kings to the halls what's referred to as the golden halls of king sigurd to have what has been known as the Council of Eleven, where all the kings sat down and tried to work out their differences and get past the tribalism, get past the past, to be able to move as a a united whole against the Greenskin invasion so they could come to the aid, not only of their dwarven allies, but to destroy the threat, the large threat to what would become a united empire. Unfortunately, it failed. There was no consensus. The kings wouldn't place their armies under the command of another king. 
and seeing this, and as it went on for hours, and you know, arguments broke out, kings fought or fist fought, very much like Eastern European parliaments. I think if you've ever seen a video <laughs> of those, they're always yeah, a hoot. Goodness, yeah. Finally, Sigmard had enough and let out this huge bellow, which silenced any kind of argument within the the hall, and he denounced their squabbles and petty concerns as utterly shameful when in the face of very numerous but nonetheless lesser race that was united and ready to destroy not only humanity but their best buds, the dwarves. Yeah, man. Humans suck, don't they? Yeah, they really yeah, do. Really quite petty. <laughs> but again, this is a trope in almost every... Uh, I was going to say trope in almost every fantasy setting. It, it, it's a trope. It's of just human a human nature. trope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just as it's just what we do. So bellowing in a, a very passionate speech that went on for quite a while. He, a filibuster. Yeah. He begged, cajoled, <laughs> implored, seduced, molested all Trombone of his kings. Tromboned all of the kings <laughs> into uh, submission. <laughs> Into joining forces with him. <laughs> he tromboned me to do it. <laughs> he tromboned me to do it. <laughs> Show me on the trombone where he touched you. Um, <laughs> you just imagine the kings going back to their armies and gathering them and just being like, Men, I have been tromboned. <laughs> I don't want to talk we about it. We are now tromboned. <laughs> we are going to join forces. But these guys over here, he's going to lead us because he tromboned us. <laughs> and let me tell you, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I think you guys are going to love it. <laughs> and then in, in, in the background, someone's going, <laughs> Yeah. Cue comedy trombone. <laughs> Release the comedy trombone. Beep. <laughs> well, ultimately, it worked. Sigmar with a a kind of huge shout of to war the kings screamed out the same probably while being tromboned and <laughs> <laughs> oh was- my god <laughs> <laughs> yes yes <laughs> <laughs> so the the shout the the, sh- the bellow from the human encampments was so loud it was said to have been heard as far away as Blackfire Pass by the dwarves. And off they marched at a good trot. Some were walking a bit funny, obviously, because of the tromboning, but they got there. They got there <laughs> safe and sound. Do you get like war trombones? You know, they had like war drums and they'd march a beat. Do you get like war trombones? Like they were just followed by a brass band. <laughs> 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 I think the most terrifying things are the Celtic war glockenspiels. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, right, sorry. So off they trotted. So off they trotted, and they arrived just in time. The orcs had finally managed to breach the wall that King Kurgan had built right across Blackfire Pass. So if you can imagine this kind of. Well, a, a giant wall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You've all seen a wall before, right? Oh, my analogy's disappeared. I don't know what happened. <laughs> oh, where's my column? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, I want to. I, wa- I want to hear, Dar- Darren. I want to hear your analogy for a wall, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you can imagine a wall, but 
<laughs> imagine a fence <laughs> crossed with. <laughs> right. Everyone knows what. Imagine a skyscraper, but on its side. <laughs> right. Bear with Wall. me. A, a plate of jelly. <laughs> wall. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wall that's a bee um, <laughs> so as they arrived uh, King Sigurd of the Golden Hall fame who led his tribe called the Burgundians on a, a mass chariot charge straight into the Greenskin ranks, the, the centre go on Sigurd you mad bastard Sigmar was there and leapt from one of the chariots there were so many humans and they were so pissed off because of the pre-battle tromboning that they stopped <laughs> the or <laughs> they stopped the orcs right in their tracks and began to push them back. The dwarves nice. then saw this as an opportunity for not only vengeance but to support their steadfast allies and charged out of all the forts and towers that they had retreated to and attacked into the flanks of the greenskin horde. Really, as they okay, were, I'm, I'm uh, going to have to stop you there. I cannot picture, and and this may be something that we'll cover when we do the the dwarf race. But like the movement of a dwarf, you know, you say that they charged in there. Was it more just waddling? Now, come on, do you know now. what I mean? Like that? Did, did they kind of like? <laughs> Because they're so small, like they're just like I can't imagine. The halflings like, uh, would waddle. The dwarves have got enough stature; they can, you know, they can run, they can sprint, they can run. Right? Okay. okay. They just haven't got, you know, the the length, I guess. Well, we have we have to reach back into our old friend Gimli there, who stated that the dwarves are wasted on uh, cross country. They're natural sprinters, very dangerous over short distances. Exactly. A <laughs> uh, great question, Ben. But you got to remember the sheer size of this greenskin invasion meant mm. that as they exited all their fortifications the orcs were right there they were literally six okay. feet away so there wasn't a huge chance for waddling yeah okay. <laughs> yeah so as this kind of renewed slaughter came in what you have to understand is that the invasion of these orcs they'd really only ever fought themselves or fought the dwarves there may have been some humans that had come in and helped out the dwarves by manning fortresses in the World's Edge Mountains, but these were still very much largely uh, bronze armor and bronze weaponry being replaced by the dwarves over an amount of time. So they had never expected the ferocity and the effectiveness of the human charge. This led the Greenskins to become a little bit fearful. A little bit uncertain, shall we say. Let's not cast aspersions. Uncertain. And so their ranks began to break. And so you had orcs and goblins running over orcs and goblins to get away from the ferocity of the attack. So the leader of the Greenskin army, Warlord Urgluck Bloodfang, and yes, I am reading that because I could not remember the fucking thing, <laughs> rallied his forces and made a huge counterattack, making a beeline or a green line straight for Sigmar, <laughs> where they entered into single combat. I don't know why I said it like that. Where they entered into single <laughs> combat. <laughs> it was like a game show prize single reveal. Combat. It was very game show. Yeah, Half-time yeah. multi-ball. <laughs> it, was very, it was very running man. Yeah, it was actually. Now, it? fight for your life. <laughs> It's time for them to fight to the death. <laughs> yeah! Hello, 
Welcome to Stitch Brew's Tank Top Outlets. I'm Hemlock Stitch Brew, the only dwarven purveyor of tank tops and vests in the southern old world. Tank top wearers are a dying breed, with some folks saying that tank tops are only for the unemployed, people with mullets and followers of Nurgle. It's just not true! Tank tops are a versatile item of clothing and suit any occasion. Christenings, job interviews, funerals, even during podcast recordings. Here at Stitch Brew's Tank Top Outlet, we're bringing back the sleeveless look and offering all laying down the wall listeners an in-store discount. Simply quote voucher code I'll love tank tops when making a purchase to get a second tank top at half price. Stitch Brew's Tank Top Outlet for when you cannot be asked to wear proper clothing. So, uh, Bloodfang and Sigmar entered into single combat while Sigurd and the Burgundian warriors, the elite charioteers and um, fighters, fought against the, the Black Orcs' bodyguards. And you can imagine, it was a shit show. There was just, there was heads, limbs, bits of legs, probably an occasional piece of trombone flying through the air. <laughs> uh, and after nearly an hour of fighting, I really can't get past the trombone thing. I really need no, to. No, you can't. You can't. We, we all, <laughs> I think we all need to let it lie. <laughs> <laughs> now, here comes the greatest concept in Warhammer history. Sigmar killed the Orc Warlord with a huge double blow. Who? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? What does a double blue look like? With his hammer. Oh. Okay. A strike down and then a strike back up. Ooh. He broke the warlord's hand, so he dropped his cleaver and then smashed the skull on the return stroke. Nice. And as with his experiences before, the sheer ferocity of the human attack plus the very public death of their warlord the army simply broke but because there were so many of them they couldn't escape and so effectively the human and dwarf armies were like a lawnmower over this horrific army and killed so many orcs so many died so many greenskins died that it would take over a thousand years in fact it took nearly 1700 years for the orcs to raise such an invasion ever again. And even then, it wasn't as big as the the Battle of the Blackfire Pass. Wow. Cool blimey. God, I mean, this is this is this is obviously, you know, this is in the middle of an orc episode. It's, it's not a high point for the orcs, is it? I was gonna say this is more of a human dwarven victorious story. Yeah. But like you said, you know, their history is told through the victors, through the uh yeah. The more scholarly races, as you put it, Chris. We'll, we'll roll with it. What happened next, then? So with the victory at the Battle of Blackfire Pass, the security of the of what would become the Empire was assured. One of the kings, King Marbad, had died under a swarm of greenskins as he tried to defend one of the central flanks, if that's not an oxymoron. But he was given such a huge burial a huge send-off that the fellow kings put aside their differences and came to realize that if they work together 
they would be able to save humanity, not just now, but also in the future. But then so was the dwarf. The dwarven domain was saved as well through the actions of Sigmar uh, and his army. And so with huge gratitude, King Kurgan, the Ironbeard, commissioned 12 huge swords, one for each of the kings, that was made by Alaric, the great runesmith. They are the rune fangs. These are the ceremonial weapon of the counts, the elector counts of the empire. And they're still used to this day in Warhammer as the weapon of choice of the elector counts. Nice. So one year after the Battle of Blackfire pass, our Ulrich, the high priest of the cult of Ulrich, placed the crown of the emperor, which was forged by the dwarves, again in gratitude for humanity's efforts, on Sigmar's head. And he became the emperor of mankind. Um, I don't know why I said it like that. It's really, he's just became the emperor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty big deal. It's it's a, a, I mean, big, it is a big, big deal. Big I, deal. You know, I, f- I feel I'm underselling it. He became <laughs> yeah. the emperor or, or, of mankind. Or, or. And the tribal chiefs of all the tribes knelt before him and swore fealty and brotherhood not only to the emperor, but to each other. And it is at that moment when the empire was officially born. Wow. Da, da, da. So as we pointed out earlier, it's an empire-heavy story, but it is a story that would be impossible without the Greenskins. And it was their most significant invasion of other races' uh, lands. And they've never, well, until the end times, some... 2,500 years later, there was never an army of that size ever again. So with the birth of the Empire then, it really meant that the human race in that region were secure and safe, as were their dwarven allies. The dwarves then only had to worry about the eastern front, as it were, rather than fighting on multiple fronts. This allowed, over a number of years, both men and dwarves to reclaim a lot of the territories that had been ravaged or invaded by the Greenskins. Although there were pockets of resistance, it took less than a decade to basically assert full control over the region in the Empire. But unfortunately, obviously, with the dwarves, a lot of the holds that the orcs had already taken over were lost pretty much forever. You know, Karakungor, Karakvarn... Carrick Eight Peaks, the City of Pillars. That was the one that the Skaven were involved The Skaven, with. yeah, the Skaven came in and uh, helped, in quotes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they were so infested that they were just lost forever. And although there would be efforts made to retake them, they all failed. So over time, the Greenskins eventually would regain their numbers but it would be still a fraction of this original great invasion, this great war, and indeed the only one of note after this time happened some 1,700 years later with Jesus. the excitingly named Gorbad Ironclaw. Can anyone Ooh. remember? I think we may have mentioned him before. I remember him. He's the Runefang dude. He's the guy that was like, I'm taking that but I'm not even going to use it for its original purpose. I'm going to use it to pick my bum. Pick my bum. <laughs> Gross. But he, um, 
He took the sacred rune, rune, rune claw, fang. Rune, fang rune fang claw, and basically just took it as a trophy and stuck it on his shield, right? Yeah, absolutely, and and took the crown of Soland, which is the the region of the empire, which I think the miniature for him, the lore for him has him wearing it on his head, but in fact, as one should, yeah, the head of the Elector Count <laughs> is stuck on a spike on his steed, and the crown is still on the skull. Wow. Oh, wow. You're wearing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a good place to stop this time. It, it tees up the exciting um, invasion of Gorbad Ironclaw, where we'll look at what happened when the orcs returned to the Empire en masse. Ooh. I have a question. Go for it. The size of this invasion. What kind of numbers are we talking? Are we talking about hundreds of thousands are we talking about millions of orcs because you know they're, um, they're fungal aren't they so yeah you know they must be innumerable as you would say i would say i'd be very surprised if it wasn't a million plus green skins so that's everyone all wow. of the orcs and goblins because it's estimated at something like 75 to 80 percent of all green skins were involved in that invasion wow jesus right, okay. i mean they meant it right Oh, yeah. <laughs> Invasion with purpose. <laughs> with serious, <theory of> guys. What <laughs> <laughs> is <this> happening? <laughs> oh, shit, you're all turned up. Uh, this is awkward. I guess we're going on a rampage. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think of the, the green skins now then, Chris, after their Yeah, ravaging? I mean, they're rampaging. Yeah, they're pretty um, straight up. You know where you stand with the green skins, you know what I mean? Um <laughs> I'm 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 waiting for some more rich history with them. Maybe it's just because we've had a million episodes on the Skaven, <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> that's the benchmark. So yeah, you know, yeah, go green. So the skins. jury's still out. The jury's still out. Yeah, absolutely. I think I need to have a million episodes on the Greenskins before we can. Uh, you know what I mean? All so you got to remember, my only my admiration of the Greenskins comes from my experience of other fantasy franchises, in particular Warcraft, where mm. the Greenskins are portrayed in a very different light. They are they're more noble and yeah. honorable. It, they they appear to be more honorable and noble than the they're a bit Warhammer more civilized, ones, which are. Yeah, in the Blizzard take, that they're a misunderstood nomadic race out of time, race out of, you know what I mean? They've been driven from their homeland, much like the Warhammer Orcs, but the Warhammer Orcs are much more simple, you know what I mean? Their IQ is much yeah. lower. I don't yeah. think they care, really. Whereas the. the it's the more, it's more instinctive. Yeah, they're not the noble precisely. nomads of other settings, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. they're just like, we don't really care that at home. We're just going to destroy and hack and slash and war it all day long you know but that's cool that's cool they really are the ron seal race of warhammer <laughs> yeah man um then what, what's your view of the green skins yeah I, I really enjoy the idea of the, the thing that really gets me about them is the fact that because they're fungal because they come from spores I keep thinking whenever there's like a, an evil race, like what do you, what do, what do the humans or what do the the good races need to do to completely remove them from the world? How do they achieve peace through the mm. elimination of that enemy? How do they get rid of them entirely? But with the orcs, there isn't. You can't do it because the no. they're you yeah. know you would have to cleanse the land of all spores, which is you know mm. an improbable, likely an impossible task, and so. 
Yeah. You know, we talked about the Skaven being this inevitable force of, of evil in the world. But actually, I think the orcs pose a much greater threat in that respect because, mm-hmm. you know, you would need to not only cleanse the entire land, but you would need to kind of maintain that, you know, have a culling every month to yeah, make yeah. sure that you are, you can never get rid of them. So. You have to plow the land, de-weed it every day. Yeah. 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 But I have to say, I got really excited at the kind of rally. I know it's not to do with the orcs, but the rallying of the humans and they're coming to the aid. Mm. You know, any sort of allying between humans, orcs, and elves always gets me super excited. I'm like, you love a yeah, you go love get a cooperative. Them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Love it. It's great. <laughs> you know, the idea of the dwarves being in their holes as they were being attacked and, and then suddenly, you know, it's like the scene out of Lord of the Rings the second one isn't it and they come over the top of the mountain and just plow down into these Charge. sea of orcs and then the doors are like oh they're they're fighting for us fuck yeah let's get out there and then they come out as well and <laughs> man that gives me a fantasy boner that does yeah. <laughs> yeah. he loves a happy ending i am fucking hard for that shit it's amazing <laughs> yeah i don't give two shits about orcs so you don't need to ask me go on Good. That was fully my intention. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. Right, I'm rounding up. All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about the topics we've discussed in this podcast, you can find all the reference articles in the show notes and on our website at layingdownthelore.com. You can also reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And just a reminder, we're now on Patreon. So if you're keen to join our Discord clan and shoot the shit with us, or you're excited to hear our bonus podcast series, Chunks of Dar, in which we grill Darren on topics covered in this podcast and his terrible, terrible dad jokes, or you just really want us to start releasing content more frequently, head over to patreon.com forward slash laying down the lore and sign up today. We'll be back again next month displaying just how little Chris and I know. Until then, cheerio. See you later, everybody. Bye. Bye.